good to see a bunch of people here today again, and some new faces for me that I haven't met yet, which is fantastic getting to meet you all. Let's just pray and ask God to really bless his word and uh, speak to our hearts this morning. Let's all pray. And if you're at home, please pray along in your own heart and mind. Father in heaven, we do thank you for your grace and your goodness. How wonderful you are. And you're a God of of, uh, peace and uh, a God of joy, a God of love and a God of hope. All those areas uh, that we think of when we come to Christmas. And as we look at peace this morning, Lord, may we uh, understand what you mean by peace and, and, what, and how you give peace and what your plans are for this world. We pray, Lord, your blessing and your help as we look to you in faith through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Christmas peace. Somebody's, someone has said that the history of humanity is a history of war. In the New York Times, they did an article which said that in the past 3,400 years of history, recorded history, the world has been entirely at peace only 268 years. And, of course, there were skirmishes and other things happening during that. This is major wars between nations. In the... uh, Well, actually, um, in the 20th century, at least 108 million people have been killed in wars. The vast majority of people in the world want peace. Amen? I did a Google search and I put in peace and I did the search. It came up with 1.56 billion results. I didn't go there. People sing about peace. People write about it. People protest. There's a Nobel Peace Prize. It's a major desire in the hearts of humanity in this world, which is fallen and so full of aggro, so full of selfishness and pride and all that mitigates against peace. In the 60s, we loved Bob Dylan. I don't know about you, but anyway. How many times must the cannonballs fly before they're forever banned? And how many deaths will it take till he knows that too many people have died? And so it goes on. The answer, my friend, he says, is written in the wind? Nah. The answer, my friend, is in the word of God. The answer, my friend, is in the Prince of Peace, who has come and will eventually bring peace to the whole of the world and the universe. And we're looking at that this morning. In the Bible, the word peace appears 332 times. So it is a major theme in the Bible. And uh, the angels, when they came to uh, the shepherds and sang in the clouds and looked down on the shepherds and on the fields as they were watching over their sheep, And they sang these words, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. 
the translation and goodwill to all men is not really a good translation. It really means peace to those on whom God's favour rests. That was the message of Christmas. Jesus has come and he's bringing peace. We read this morning in Isaiah 9 that the Messiah would be the Prince of Peace. Hundreds of years before Christ was born, the prophecy concerning the Messiah was, for to us a child is born and to us a son is given and the government will be upon his shoulder and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. In the first five chapters of, of this book of, uh, of Isaiah, we have all about the sin and the wickedness and the turning from God of the nation of Israel and that they were facing annihilation because this huge uh, I mean, already the Assyrians had taken a whole lot of the people of Israel captive. And now this huge army and uh, this mighty nation of Babylon was coming against them and they felt powerless. It was like as if all of um, the northern countries above Australia decided to join together and come against Australia. <laughs> You'd be shaking in your boots as I would be. And so he says in chapter 9, but there's hope. Actually, it begins with the word nevertheless in, I think, the authorised version. And in the ESV, which I use, it begins with the word but. But, but, hope is here. God will send a great deliverer and he will be called the Prince of Peace. Verse 6 which I just read to you, the famous verse that we all know so well for us, to, a child is born to us, is really a description of who this Messiah would be, his person, who he was and would be, and who and his character and his purpose in coming. Now, ancient kings used this kind of thing back at that time. So the Greek, uh, the um, Roman, sorry, not the Roman at that time, the um, Egyptian and Persian kings and so on, they would uh, save Sennacherib, for instance, the Assyrian king. He was called the great king, the king unrivaled, the protector of the just, the noble warrior. So it was a, um, a, a way that they communicated the kind of king that he was. He was a mighty warrior. He was a king unrivaled. He was protector of the just, and he was the great king, Sennacherib. And so God's word says through Isaiah, the one I'm sending, he is, first of all, a wonderful counselor. He's the mighty God. He's the everlasting father. He's the prince of peace. For to us, that's interesting, isn't it? To us is born this day. The nation of Israel would have read that and said, yes, to us as a nation, but it's really to us as the world. To us in this world, the Messiah has come. A child is born. Speaking of his humanity, this wouldn't be some angel that God sent. This was 
a true human, born a human. But the next words say, but to us a son is given. The son of God was given, the baby was born in one beautiful joint junction of of, um, marriage of Godhead and humanity. The miracle in the womb of Mary was that without any earthly father, God performed a miracle whereby nine months later, the one born was God of very God and man of very man in one unique, amazing being, Jesus of Nazareth. For unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given. Um, Jesus said, the Son of Man came. He didn't just say he was born. He came. He left heaven. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. When the fullness of time had come, Galatians 4.4, God sent his Son. God with us back in chapter 7 of Isaiah. Emmanuel. This is who we're talking about. He's a wonderful counselor. In other words, he's wonderful. He's worthy of admiration, but he's a counselor. He's wise. He knows the truth. He knows how to apply the truth. He understands. He is a wonderful counselor. We've got some wonderful counselors here. It's one I'm thinking of. <laughs> and there's other, there's a, uh, you know, but this is a, a wonderful counselor who knows everything, who understands everything, who knows exactly how to apply the truth to every situation. He is also the mighty God. And I've had Jehovah's Witnesses say to me, oh, he's just the mighty God. We're talking about in comparison with the almighty God. And I say, well, wait a minute, let's turn to the next chapter, chapter 10. It also uses the same word. Isaiah says that, and there it's talking about, obviously, God, Jehovah, and he's called there the mighty God. So you can't say here it applies as something different than it does in chapter 10. What God is saying is that this one born is truly God become flesh. He's clothed with splendor and majesty, the mighty God. Next, he's the everlasting father. And don't confuse this with where the Bible talks about God as our father, uh, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit um, on equal ground. They're they're, um, all the same essence, God, but they're individual persons of the Godhead, the Trinity, the Father and the Son. No, here it's talking about um, he acts as a father. His coming is one like a father, the father of eternity, the everlasting father. Um, He does not cease for eternity to care for his people. In Henry Light's famous hymn, Praise My Soul, the King of Heaven, one verse goes like this, Father-like, he tends and spares us. Well, our feeble frame he knows. The Lord Jesus is like a father to his people. And then the last of these four is really saying the purpose of his coming. All the others are talking about the kind of person he is, his character, his person. But now he is the prince of peace. 
The Bible uses prince and the old, in those ancient days, the idea of prince was not just uh, an heir, not just an heir, but the one who took charge, who, who led armies out, who was uh, in, like, even the evil one is called the prince of the power of the air. Uh, that, that means he's got the power and authority in that domain at the moment, or that's been stripped from him. But uh, hey, it, it uses that word. And, and so we understand here the idea of Prince of Peace is that he's the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the one with all authority, the ruler of the nations who will bring and restore peace, who will maintain that peace. He is the Prince of Peace. He will put an end to wars. He'll restore order and harmony. Glory to God in the highest, the angel said, and on earth peace among those whom uh, God favours. So now, how does the Prince of Peace bring peace to this world? Three ways. He brings peace with God, because that's where you start. If you don't have peace with God, you'll never have peace with one another. Peace with God the peace of God, and then peace with others. So let's look at those three. First of all, the peace with God when he rescues us. Because we know, we all understand the barrier to peace in your relationships, in your understanding of what happens in the world where there's fights and arguments and carry on. Even in your own experience, you know that selfishness is at the core we have all turned to our own way, Isaiah said. We've all gone our own way. And as a result of that, we have conflict. Not just difference of mind, but conflict where there's no peace. And it begins with having peace with God because we're in conflict with God. Our sin and our rebellion has cut us off from God, but God is holy He's of purer eyes than to behold evil and will not even look on sin. And we are sinful. So we've been separated. We're alienated from God because of our sin. And so it says in James chapter 4, what causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have. So you murder. You covet and you cannot obtain. So you fight and quarrel. I want it. My way. Mark 7. Out of the heart, Jesus said, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, and so on. It goes on a whole list. All those things create a lack of peace in your own life and in your relationship with others. True peace only comes through the cross of Christ. And that's why we had that passage read to us from Ephesians. The fruit of our relationship with God being restored brings peace. Peace with God, peace internally, and as far as it depends on us, peace with others. Colossians 1.20, through him to reconcile to himself all things. Notice, God through Christ is going to reconcile to himself all all things, whether on earth or in heaven. Not just us, but the whole universe is going to be reconciled to God, making peace 
it goes on to say, through the blood of his cross. Peace through the blood of his cross, bringing all the aspects of peace into being. Hark the herald angels sing. We sing at Christmas, don't we? Peace on earth and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. I wish that all the people who sing those words this Christmas throughout this land will think about those very words. God and sinner reconciled. That's where peace is found. The gospel is transformational. You receive Christ, you trust him as your Lord and Savior, you are reconciled with God and that's not the end of it. You then are transformed. The Spirit of God comes and lives within you and you begin to forgive like we heard last week. You begin to love because he first loved us. You become a different person. You're born again. You have the nature of God and so peace, not only in your own life but in your relationships with others, is possible. So he's the Prince of Peace, peace with God because he rescues us. But secondly, peace with God when he resides, I'm sorry, the peace of God when he resides in us. And when the Spirit of God comes and dwells within our lives, when we trust Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, at that precise moment, we are indwelt by God himself, the God of peace, the Prince of Peace, by his Spirit lives in us. Now, peace internal peace, the experiential peace that we're talking about here is something that is hard to describe. How would you describe it? Oh, we know when we don't have it. There's, two, there's a Greek word and the, the Hebrew word. The, Hebrew, uh, the Greek word is Irene, and if you're called Irene, that your name means peace, comes from that. Um, Irene means to be quiet and restful in your mind, especially, but quiet and restful. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. That's peace. And the word shalom, which every Jewish person says when they greet one another, shalom, is it means peace, but, but it doesn't mean lack of conflict. It, it, it doesn't have that, oh, Peace, you know, no, no conflict. That's wonderful. It actually means something very positive. It means to being in a state of being whole, of being complete, of being fulfilled, being tranquil as a result of that. So peace um, is not when things are going well. You know, things can be going real well and you still don't have peace internally. It affects you when you try to sleep at night, right? Or when you wake up in the middle of the night. The other night, so many things buzzing around in my head because of this outreach we're having next week. I woke up at 3 in the morning and I couldn't get back to sleep till 4.30. And it was just, you know, I got up and um, wrote out a list of things I had to do the next day and then I was able to go back to bed and get to sleep. Uh, peace, yeah. We all understand that. But so you can, everything's going well, but you can still not have peace or... Everything can be a storm around you and you can have peace. Remember Jesus in the boat, in the middle of the storm? He had peace. 
the, the disciples didn't. They were, they were scared stiff. And they were seasoned sailors and fishermen. Don't you care that we perish? Jesus stood up and said, peace. Be still. Immediate calm. Not just the wind. The waves suddenly stopped. It was an absolute miracle. Why are you so afraid, Jesus said? Have you still no faith? Our little Kim as a child, our daughter who passed away earlier this year, when she was a child, she used to be scared at night. She'd have nightmares. Um, and we used to go in and pray with her, and we used to say these words, to trust is not to fear, and to fear is not to trust. And we repeat that to her, to trust is not to fear, to fear is not to trust. And it really did help her. And that's so true. Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace. Here's the one who was asleep in the boat. He wasn't worried about the storm. He was at peace. In the midst of the storm, he had that peace. And then he says, my peace I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. The, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. There's a famous painting by Jack Dawson, and you'll see a picture of it up there. Um, and It's this raging waterfall, thundering down, water spraying everywhere and torrent of water and there in the midst is a little bird on a nest you can hardly see it just enjoying looking after its chicks or keeping the eggs warm but at peace that's what God wants us to experience and that actual the title of the painting is called peace in the midst of the storm so we have peace with God because he rescues us. We have the peace of God because he resides in us. And thirdly, we have peace with others because he reigns or when he reigns over us. Peace with others when he reigns over us. We can be walking, we can be Christians and have the spirit of God living in us and not have him reigning over us. Ruling our lives. Lord and Saviour. He came to bring peace on earth, so why is there no peace? Here's the Prince of Peace. He's been born, he came, and still the world is in turmoil and still the world is full of not just wars but arguments and internal peace. Why is it? Because even Jesus said, I've come not to bring peace but a sword. And Luke 12, he says, do not think that I've come to bring, give peace on earth. No, I tell you, but rather division. Now that sounds weird from a person who is the Prince of Peace who came and the angel said, uh, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. Do you know why? Because peace only comes when we surrender to his rule, his reign. And he knew that the world would not do that. In fact, he says, he came to his own and they did not receive him. 
So he says there's not going to be peace until you do. There's going to be actually a sword. But to all who received him, he gave them the power to become children of God. So Paul says to us as Christians, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with all. Let Christ reign in your life so that you may not be able to, you won't be able to change that other person in your marriage, in your home, in your um, family, in your community, in your workplace, in your church or wherever, who just annoys you or causes all this uh, aggro and so on. You won't be able to change that person, but as far as it depends on you, live at peace with all, not just those in your church community, the whole world, your neighbours, the people on the other side of the political divide that you are part of. Live at peace with all. As far as it depends on you. Peace with others depends on both parties and so when the other one won't, you must do your part in seeking to live in peace with others. Let him reign in your life so you can live it out what is true for you because of Christ. What I mean by that is what we read in Ephesians 2. He himself is our peace who has made us both one. Here it's talking about the Jews and the Gentiles. And they were miles apart, divided. And now in the church they've been brought together and, and it says in this passage that, that Christ has created in himself one new man in place of the two and brought us into one body, and he has made us both one. He himself is our peace. So that's talking about Christians who are divided, whether it's racially or ethnically, or whether it's uh, on political grounds, or whether it's on whatever, vaccines, woo, or anything. Whatever divides us, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Because he has united us. In one body. Live it out. Live it out. So the Prince of Peace is coming to earth, and we'll finish with this. But it says, after saying that his name will be called Prince of Peace, the next verse goes on to say, of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. This Messiah who's coming will govern and that government will never end, and the peace as a result of his government will know no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness, from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And so we read back in chapter 2 of Isaiah, he will judge between the nations and will decide uh, disputes for many peoples, and they will beat their swords into plowshares and their Spears into pruning hooks, nation will not lift up sword against nation, neither will they, be, will they learn war anymore. And, and Micah also repeats those words, but he adds these other words saying, no one shall make them afraid for the mouth of the Lord of hosts has spoken it. So God's plan in sending Messiah is to bring worldwide complete peace. And the only way that's going to happen is when the world submits to his rule. At the moment, Jesus Christ has sent the gospel out so that people 
will respond and choose to follow and come under his rule. He doesn't force it. But one day every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He's going to reign for a thousand years and this world will live at peace. There'll be no wars, no nothing like that. He will bring peace. And at the end of that time, Satan will be released and there'll be a rebellion and it'll all happen again. And then he'll, he'll get rid of all the enemies and he will bring in an eternal uh, new heavens, new earth, wherein dwells righteousness. And where there's righteousness, there's peace. Well, it's going to happen. Only when Jesus rules. Only where Jesus reigns. Do you have peace? If you're looking online and watching us there, do you have peace with God? Do you have the peace of God? Do you seek to have peace with others around you? Only Jesus, only Jesus, personally trusted as your Lord and Saviour and then allowed to reign in your life and by his Spirit produce in you the, the fruit of love, joy and peace. Only he, the Prince of Peace, can give peace. Let's pray. Oh, Father in heaven, we need that peace. The world needs that peace. We thank you that we can believe and trust what your word says, that one day Jesus Christ will return and he will set up his kingdom and he will enforce peace because he will rule. He will reign. We pray that before that happens, we will allow him to reign in our lives, to fill us with his spirit and to produce that peace in us and that we will do all we can to live at peace with one another. For your glory and name's sake, we pray, trusting you in Jesus' name. Amen.